Once again, that scripture is Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the sage, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with, um, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit." being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Good morning, everyone. How great it is to be here among you. My family says to say hi. They could not make it as my eight-year-old daughter and four-year-old son uh, came down with a cold and have been sick the last few days, so they had to stay home. But we are so thankful for the congregation here at Grable Road, all the hospitality that's been shown to us over the years and, and uh, for supporting us and or me and my family to be at school. We also want to thank you for the support of the American Mission campaign that we just got back from in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I was just going to read the numbers to you all that we had from that. There was a, a total of a, 130 of us that went out door knocking. We knocked on 3,000 doors. 1,300 of those doors were answered. We made 377 contacts of people that requested more information about the church. We delivered 87 moving baskets to new people that just moved into the community using the new movers program from house to house. And we wrote a total of 1,560 compassion cards in the week we were there. It was a wonderful time. There's been multiple baptisms since then and at the event. Uh, I, I read Rob Whitaker's report as of Wednesday and there's multiple studies ongoing. They had 50-something studies when we left. So it is a... Uh, it is an amazing work, and they're going to they're gonna actually be coming to Texas next year, to Cleburne, Texas, to kick off AMC as the summer next year, and I am uh, thrilled to go and to be a part of these great events and see an evangelism done right here in our own backyard. Now, the, the, on to my lesson, the scripture he just read from Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, about putting on the full armor of God. Paul used a lot of this military language in a lot of his letters. And in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 3, he, said he instructs Timothy to endure hard times as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk about, is being a good soldier of Jesus Christ. What that is like, because one thing is, you need to have the full armor of God. But you, you see how Paul uses this military language, and the reason is, is because we can really relate to it. 
There's so many parallels between a soldier in God's army and a soldier that we see in our military. You think about our military. Those are the soldiers that, that pick up those weapons, that risk their lives in doing so. They're the ones that, that uh, fly those planes. They're the ones that navigate the ships, and they all risk their lives in doing so. As Christians, we're going to be that living sacrifice that we read about in Bible class, Romans 12.1. We are the ones that we are going to pick up our cross daily and follow Jesus. There's going to be a lot of sacrifices in doing so. And we see that a soldier, they have to learn how to work in unity. You think about it, you have the army, you got the Marines, you got the, the Navy, you've got all these different branches of the military, and they have to learn how to work together in one unit to be successful. The army and the Marines out there on the battlefield, they got to trust those to their left, those to their right, those behind them. At the same time, they got to trust those planes dropping bombs above them, they got to trust those ships shooting missiles inland, and they have to work together to be successful or they're going to fail. As Christians, you know, we have elders, we have deacons, we have teachers, we have women, we have children, we have people from all these different ethnic groups, backgrounds, and all that, and we come together, and we work together as one unit as the church, and when we do so, we too will be successful. We see our military, they also go to a lot of training, you know, they go to boot camp, basic training, 10-week program where a civilian will walk in as a civilian and walk out as a soldier able to fight in our battles. While we don't have, you know, a 10-week program, we do have uh, new converts classes. I know this congregation participates in them. But we will spend the rest of our lives in this book to learn how to be a better Christian, how to be a better soldier of Jesus Christ. And this is our sword that is able to save our lives. You know, our soldiers, they wear a lot of armor. They wear bulletproof vests with studies have shown, you know, it's to help protect taking a fatal shot directly to their vital organs. Uh, they, they wear a, a helmet. Studies have shown that, you know, many have taken a shot directly to the head and survived because they were wearing that helmet. Our, the armor they wear, it slows them down. It causes them to be a lot more hot. You think about the Texas heat that we've had lately. Imagine wearing a bunch of armor plus all your, your other clothing on. You're going to be hot. You're going to sweat a lot. You're going to have to pack a lot more water. It's going to make it more difficult. Being a Christian is going to be difficult. It's going to take a lot of patience because to get our armor, it's through God's Word. It's a big book, 66 books all put together. It's going to take a long time for us to dig into it and to grow into it, and to make application with it. But in the end, just like the soldier, because they may, they may spend their whole career and never get shot at, and then that last day, you know, the bullet comes. And if they had their armor on, it can save their lives. This can help us save our souls in the end. You also look at our military. They, they rely on taking commands from, you know, uh, an officer or the president or whatever. As Christians, we rely on taking orders from God and through his word. Like I said, we see a lot of military language, especially in Paul's letters. But the one we're going to dig in this morning is Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, on putting on that full armor of God. But we're going to zoom out just a little bit, and we're going to walk through the book on seeing why is Paul saying this. Because he talks about all these doctrine issues, and then you come to the end, he uses this totally different language because he, as we're going to see throughout the book of Ephesians over and over he speaks of unity 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 
But the first point is God's army must be unified. Second, God's army always prepares for war. Third, God's army always arms himself. And finally, God's army always relies on God. A Christian is one of God's soldiers, so after we have been put into Christ, we become a soldier in his army, and we must be ready for war at all times. It's not a war of flesh and bone, but it is a spiritual warfare, and we need to put on the full armor of God so that we are able to stand against the devil himself because we just never know when he's going to take a shot at us. But point number one, if you look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul says, How that by revelation he made unto me the mystery as I wrote for the words. In verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now jump to uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of your calling. Verse 4, there is only one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And we jump forward. He talks about putting on the new man, and then you get to chapter 5 and verse 22. Because throughout the book, before chapter 5, he's talking over and over about how the church needs to come together. It's no just Jew church. It's no just Gentile church. It is one body, Ephesians 4, 4. There's only one way into that body, Ephesians 4, verse 5. There's only one Savior that body is we're going to get into but you have to work in unity as one. And in chapter 5, 22 through 24, we're going to see now the husband and wives must be unified. He says in verse 22 of chapter 5, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wife be to their own husband in everything. Husbands. Love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, we've heard a lot of time in lessons, you know, wives, you need to submit. Husbands, you need to love the, your, your wife as Christ loved the church. But why is Paul saying that? He says it in verse 31. For this is the cause. Shall a man leave his father and mother, and the two shall be joined on one. They shall become one flesh. Verse 32. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So why is he telling wives they need to submit? Why is he telling husbands to love? Because that's where it starts. It starts in the home. A marriage, the only way it's going to be successful is if the two become one. We have to work in unity. If there's not oneness in the marriage, Satan is allowed to get into that marriage and is able to separate it. In chapter 6, now in verse 1 through 4, we see parents and children also need to be unified. In chapter 6 and verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. Verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and abomination of the Lord. He's saying, yes, we need to discipline our children, but at the same time, we do not need to provoke them in wrath. There needs to be balance there, but we need to raise them up in the nourishment of the Lord. If we are not, if we are not working as one team, as one unit, we allow Satan to get into our families that then can divide the families. And then we see in verses 5 through 9, he says, slaves and masters. In verse 5, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters. And then you jump to verse 9. 
and you masters do the same unto them. Again, masters are to be obedient to their servants and servants obedience to their master. They have to be unity. And then you get into Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, as we know, putting on the full armor of God. And Paul is saying it like this. This is where it starts. You must start with your individual faith. And then you must have unity in your family. You must have unity in your marriage. And you must have unity in the church. Because if you do not, if you allow Satan to get into your life, Satan can get into your family. Then Satan can get into your marriage. And then Satan can get into the church. And it will cause division. Unity, unity, unity. Point number two. God's army must always prepare themselves. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. Be strong in the Lord. That's where it starts. I talked this morning in Bible class. Joshua, when they came into the promised land, Joshua told them over and over, be strong and courageous. Because we know what happened to, you know, you had Joshua and Caleb, but what happened to the rest of their generation? They didn't get to come to the promised land. They died in the wilderness because whenever the 12 spies went in to the promised land, those other 10, they brought bad report. They said, we're like the grasshoppers. They are giants. We can't take them. They're much mightier in number. They're bigger than us. And Joshua and Caleb, they stood there and they said, we can do it because we have God on our side. And we must be strong, brethren, today because we can do anything through Christ who strengthens us. We can do anything with God on our side. But it starts with we must be strong in the Lord first. And then he says, you must put on the full armor of God. We're not fighting in a physical warfare. This is not against flesh and bone, but this is a spiritual warfare. And Paul writes in verses 11 through 14, he, saying, he says to stand four times. He's emphasizing that we need to stand, and this is why. No matter what the devil's going to throw at you, no matter how he tempts you, because he's going to tempt you, he's going to persecute you. The point is that why you wear this armor, why you put this armor on, is in the end, when the dust is settled, that you remain standing, because we're not going to defeat Satan until after this life. But in order to do that, we must be prepared for the spiritual warfare as we see in verse 12. We're wrestling not against principalities, not against powers, not against rulers of darkness, but spiritual wickedness. These are those fleshly leaders who are walking according to the flesh and not according to God and His Word. And we can see all the wickedness that is going on in our world today. And the problem with the world is today is they do not fear God because... That's the beginning of all knowledge. That's where knowledge starts. We must fear the wrath of God. Then we will obey Him and His commandments. Romans 5, 9. But in the beginning of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, we see where Christ, He was raised above, He, he was raised from the dead. He is far above all principalities, all power, all might, all dominion, and every name that is named, not only of this world, but that which is to come, and hath been given all things under His feet, and is the head of of the church which is his body christ is above every name we know no it doesn't matter what the leaders of our world the leaders of the nation tell us jesus is above them the word of god is above them and we need to follow it point number three god's army always has their armor on as we'll now see in verses 13 through 17 the bible says wherefore take unto you the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, 
Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of the salvation, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I talked about how our military, they wear a lot of this armor. The armor slows them down. It makes it more hot, makes it more difficult. But in the end, that, that one time that the bullet is fired at them, whether it be their head or maybe where they have that bulletproof vest on, it can save their life. God's word, it's going to take a lot of patience, but in the end, it can save your souls. While we may not be able to move fast, the whole point is, is that we remain standing once the dust is settled, once the devil has attacked us with temptation, with trial, that we remain standing. In order to do that, we must be like the psalmist in Psalm, verses 1 and 2. But we must stand in truth, verse 14. We must stand on the word of God. Stand having our loins girt about with truth. We must have God's word in us so much it's like Jeremiah. Jeremiah said he could do nothing but speak God's word because God's word was in his bones. That's how much he was in the word of God. We need to have God's word in us so much that we can do nothing but speak it. We must stand in order to do that having the breastplate of righteousness on. You think about our military. They wear them bulletproof vests to block those shots to their vital organs. We need to have God's word in our hearts so much that when we're faced with these trials, when we're faced with these temptations, we can meditate on the word of God because our hearts are filled with it. And we can get through any of those trials, any of those temptations. But the only way you're going to do that is knowing scripture by meditating on the word of God day and night. We must stand having our feet shod with the gospel of peace. This is peace. When we take the gospel to the lost, we are bringing them peace and we need to stand ready. I love being here and seeing that evangelism table. I love being at the American Mission Campaign and Rob, he pulled it up on the screen on having your, you know, your table set up and y'all's picture of Graver Road Church of Christ was his example. That is awesome. And we need to stand ready to take that information to the lost. Because you never know whenever your neighbor, whenever your friend, whenever your family is going to call. Maybe they're fighting depression. They're having suicidal thoughts. Maybe they just lost a loved one. And they're going to come to you because they can see Christ in you. They can see your example. And they want your prayers. Because they see by the way that you live your life. And that is your chance to take them to the gospel. But in order to do that, you must stand ready. And how, what a blessing it is how we have these organized Bible studies ready to go that you just walk people through the scriptures and you bring them peace. We must stand having the shield of faith. You think our military, what good is it if the shield is on their back or if it is on their sides? It needs to be out and ready at all times because they never know when the enemy is going to take a shot and where they're going to be aiming and need to stand ready. We should never get weak in our faith. Never give up on praying to God, even though you may be facing rough times in your life. Never give up on studying His Word. Never give up at all in your faith. Always stand strong in your faith. We must stand having the helmet of salvation. Where does the helmet go? It goes on the head. Who is head of the church? Jesus Christ. Where is salvation? In Christ Jesus Stand having your helmet of salvation. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. We do that through his word. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was, was with God and the word was God. How do we get a better look at who Jesus is? It is through the word of God. And we need to keep our eyes focused there. Keep our eyes into the book until the book gets into us. Keeping our eyes on the cross. 
having your sword, which is the word of God. This is our weapon. We need to have it with us at all times. It doesn't matter if we're at church, if we're on the playground, if we're at the gym, if we're at work, wherever we may be. We need to have the word of God because we never know when someone's going to come to us with a Bible question. And it is so important that we are not tellers, we are showers. The word of God is powerful. What Jesse has to say is not powerful, but the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword able to pierce the heart, and we need to have our sword with us at all times. What a blessing it is. We can have it on our iPad. We can have it on our phone, but have God's word with you at all times. We must stand being unified by being first in Christ Jesus, by walking by faith and not by sight, by having God's word and by having our feet ready to share the gospel at all times, by living our life righteously, by walking after the spirit and not after the flesh. Brethren, we have salvation in Christ Jesus and we need to be unified first in our faith so that we can stand against the devil himself, so that we can stand against the wicked rulers of this world, of this nation, so that we can stand against every dart that is ever thrown at us, every temptation that has ever fired our way. We are in a spiritual warfare, and we will be in this spiritual warfare until we depart this life or until Jesus returns. So we need to stand ready. Point number four, God's army always relies on God. Look at verses 18 through 20 now. 18 through 20. And the Bible says, Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We must be a people of pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray to God all the time. We need to love our avenue of prayer. I went over in Bible class. That is how we communicate. Just like between a, a husband and a wife. If you want good communication, if you want the relationship to last, you need to communicate. If we want our relationship to last with the Father, we need to be talking to Him in prayer. And we need to be studying His Word, how He talks to us. But be a people of prayer. Like He says, Watching, this literally means sleepless all the time. And that's the way our attitude should be toward Jesus. That he's going to return this evening. That he's going to return tomorrow. Because after all, that's what we're waiting for. So that he can come finish off Satan forever. But then Paul says also pray for the saints. We need to pray for the saints here in Rosenberg, Texas. We need to pray for the saints in this county, in this state, throughout the nation and throughout the world. And praise God that we're not facing the persecution that they were facing at this time or like the persecution of some of our brethren in other countries. And we need to be praying always for them. And not just for the saints now, but the saints in 10, 20, 30 years, because we want our children, we want our grandchildren to be able to go to the church and be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. And many congregations of the Lord's church throughout the world have fallen away because they have allowed Satan to get into the church. And we need to be praying for the saints everywhere, every day, for now and for eternity. And then Paul says, pray for me. Paul is an ambassador. He is in bonds. He is in chains. He's, and in the book of Acts, we see he's converted the jailer. He's converted people in prison. And he's asking that he may speak bolder there than he ought already is. That he can continue to spread the mystery of the gospel. We have people that are scared to preach the gospel to get thrown in prison. And he's in prison using it as evangelism. 
We should never be scared to speak God's word anywhere we are, whether it be at work, with our family, with our neighbors, wherever we go. You see, to be a part of God's army, it starts with we must always be strong and courageous. Be strong in the Lord. And throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks over and over the emphasis on being unified. You must be in a unified individual. You must be unified in your family. You must be unified in the marriage. And you must be unified in the church. Because if you are not, Satan can get to you. And then he can get to your family. And then he can get to the church. And he can get in your marriage. And we must stand with the word of God at all times, which is able to protect our souls. But the whole book is over unity. In order to do that, we must be completely unified in our own faith. By walking by love, leave no place for the devil to rise up in your family, to rise up into your life, to rise up in your marriage, or to rise up in the church. In order to do that, you must put the full armor of God on. If you are missing just one piece, if you let your shield down just for a moment, you take your eyes off of Jesus, the helmet of salvation. You allow room for Satan to come into your life. And that's when he's going to hit you. And he's going to hit you the hardest. We saw we must be unified in our faith. By being in Christ. By knowing God's word. By always having our sword with us at all times. We saw God's um, army always has their armor on. And they are always prepared for spiritual warfare. We saw God's army number one weapon is prayer. So pray to God without ceasing that he will be with you through these battles that you are facing. And get into the book until the book gets into you. Brethren, God has called each and every one of us in this room to be a part of his army. Are you a part of his army? Have you been training like a soldier should be? Have you been wearing your Christian uniform every day? Or is it just Sunday morning to come to worship? If the Lord's church is not unified as a whole, it can slow down the work of the church and it can allow Satan to come into the church. Brethren, if you are not yet a uh, one of God's soldiers, why not? Why, tarriest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. There's some steps in order to do that. The first thing you must do is you must believe. We see in a, a Romans 10, 17, faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So you, we, we must hear the word of God first. Second, you must believe. Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Third, we must Repent. Luke 13 and 13, 5 says, I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Fourth, we must confess. And fifth, we must be baptized. Again, Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do you see that and, that conjunction there in the middle? Meaning believeth is just as important as baptism. And baptism is just as important as believing. If you want to be added to that one body that we read about in Ephesians 4, there's only one way into it, that one baptism in Ephesians 4, verse 5. Please, we want everybody in this room to have that same hope. To have a hope in eternity with God the Father forever. But if you are not yet a Christian, you first must be added to that one body. Maybe you have allowed Satan to get into your life. Maybe he's already gotten into your marriage. Maybe he's seeping into the family. Please, brethren, we want to pray for you. But the only way we can pray for you is we... We need to know what we can pray about. James 5.16 says the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. We need to know what we can pray about so that we can help you in this need. As we sing the invitation song, please make your requests known now. We do not want any soldier left behind. 
please rise now and sing the song that has been selected and make your request known. <laughs> 